This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Camilla Webster, and joining me today is Dov Barron. Welcome. Thank you. And you've got a great book, Fiercely Loyal, and I can't wait to talk to you more about it. Excellent. I'm looking forward to talking about it, too. The thing that struck me about your book was really approaching the concept that millennials are not going to stay with companies forever and you have to treat them differently if you really want to get the same results for your business. Tell me more about that. We're all pretty aware that the number one problem that CEOs and C-suite individuals are dealing with is trying to keep their top talent. And top talent now are millennials. They're the upper end of those are 35 years old and they don't want the same things as the previous generations do. And if CEOs and leaders try to keep them using the same things, it's not going to happen. So you basically laid out some points in the book. Go over them with me, sort of the list of two or three things that are really important in building that loyalty and relationship with the staff. The idea uh, that we've had in previous generations that the leader, the boss, the CEO, whoever it is, has to be somewhat separate and somewhat pedestalized has to go. In dealing with millennials, they have to feel like you're touchable, that you're reachable, and that requires real relationships. And this idea that we had, which was open door policy, um, it's a joke. We all know it's a joke. The, but it has to be not open door, but open wall. Mm -hmm. It has to be a sense of, yes, you can come in. It doesn't mean you disrespect people's time, but it means that you're going to be open. And that openness is about who you are, not just about the business. So if, if I'm a millennial and I'm working for you, I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are as a human being, and that's vitally important for keeping millennials loyal because they are very relational. And that's one of the key pieces. On top of that, they want to be doing work that's meaningful. Mm -hmm. They're not willing to look for a job, go out there, be in that company for 20, 30, 40 years because they pay well and they're going to raise up the corporate ladder. What they want is to feel like this is meaningful work, it's purpose-driven, and that we, the organization, are about something bigger than bottom line. What if I'm a C-suite executive and I'm saying, how do I really bring them into my world of achieving the bottom line, of human resources, of maybe even a bigger corporate boss and a corporate strategy? How do I bring them in without putting these other traditional factors in the workplace at risk? The false presumption is that there's something to keep separate from them and that we actually have to bring them in on everything. It really is about revealing. It's about revealing what's really going on inside of the company, revealing what's going on inside the human being. What we are looking to do is to create a bond. Fierce loyalty comes out of a bond, the bond between the individuals on your leadership team and the bond between the people on the leadership team and the leader, and that we can't afford to make that separation. So we need to reveal to them the most 
powerful thing we can do is the thing that we've been trained against, the thing that we've all as leaders been, been told, at all costs, do not let them see who you are. Keep that uh, professionalism. And so it doesn't work. Let's go through some of the action steps, sort of on the ground action steps. Yep. You're a C-suite executive. You have a new job. You've been given a team of mixed ages, you know, 25 to 45. How do you approach that relationship? For me, there's a fabulous exercise in the book that I really would recommend. And it's, and it's a based on, as I said, the most powerful thing you can do, and that is vulnerability. The thing that's going to create the bond that you're looking for to create the fierce loyalty is vulnerability. I know we're all trained against it, but we've got to embrace it. So we need to do vulnerability exercises, not trust exercises. So nobody's asking you to fall and I'm going to catch you. That was all done 25, <laughs> years, did ago. That, yeah. <laughs> that was 25 years ago. But rather than that, but trust with us emotionally, which is a, a level of vulnerability. So one of the things we do, it's in this book as an mm. exercise. I'll be the leader. And so you're all here? Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to reveal something superficial about me. So I'm going to say, okay, I am married. And everybody would go around and then each one of them would reveal something superficial. The next level I will reveal is something I'm scared of. So it could be something physical like I'm afraid of spiders. And everybody would go around and they would reveal something. It could be something more personal. I'm afraid that I'm not going to connect with you guys, mm -hmm. that I'm not going to get the kind of loyalty I need. Each person speaks. So we've gone from superficial to fear, now to secret. And the third level is a secret. I'm going to reveal a secret. Mm -hmm. And that means it's something that would not normally be revealed in this corporate environment. So somebody might say, I, I uh, joined AA. Mm -hmm. Or I, uh, three years ago, my wife and I broke up for a period of time, but we've come back together. Something that's really personal, and each person goes through that. And we do this for several rounds. Now, I realize that this sounds like, whoa, this is way too intimate, way too personal, and maybe even a little woo-woo. I promise you, this exercise, we've done this in, with large, large audiences and very small intimate groups that I work with in leadership teams. It is amazing the level of trust that happens and we, we test it. Mm -hmm. right, I'm going to put you with Bob now, and I want you to tell me what your level of trust with Bob is on a scale of 1 to 10. Just write on a piece of paper. Don't show it to anybody. So you write 3. Mm -hmm. you know? And then I say, when we've done the exercise, now what's your trust with Bob? And it's now 9, mm -hmm. 8, 9. How did that happen? We just asked a few questions. That bond, that vulnerability creates a fierce bond. Now it's somebody you will fight for. Right. And millennials force us to be human beings, they not want just human that. doings. <laughs> they, they want that human connection. It's fascinating for me because, of course, millennials are the most uh, screen time people there is. Yes. And they have less and less personal time, yes. yet they demand a deeper connection. Mm -hmm. So it's a fascinating dichotomy that we must bridge. C-Suite Radio. So here's the next common challenge I find when visiting a big business. The 45 and upset are used to action directions, very few questions, and the 40 downset are used <laughs> to creative group solution-based work ethic. As the CEO of a company or someone in the C-suite, part of a you know running a big organization, how do we then make both 
all of these members of staff work together effectively and feel comfortable. Well, again, that's through the revealing of what is the common goal. And it's not just the goal of what we're trying to get done here, but we've got we to step back deeper. And again, we talk about this in the book. So we look at mission, vision, purpose. If you want to get millennials and uh, Gen X's and boomers together, they've got to get connected, emotionally connected to the mission, to the vision, to the purpose, and that has to be bigger than the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So what are we really about? What is the difference we want to make in the world? And then millennials will follow the direction and also uh, Gen X's and boomers will be more open to the creative input. So this is my next question. Um, we are now part of a generation full of doubt and mistrust of the parent company. People who had 401ks, they disappeared in yep. the wake of the financial crisis. People saw their parents' pensions disappear and they're now supporting them. Um, we have unions now having less power than they have in the past. So we're into this era of sort of taking care of yourself independently of yep. the large parent company. Yeah. But it seems like there are still offerings big companies can make, like equity in the business sure. and other programs that could also develop fiercely loyal employees. Yes. So what are some of the things you would say that are working today after the financial crisis and an era of doubt that could maybe create resolve in someone that they want to stay and they're getting the type of business packages you know, that they need? You know, that's a great question, Camilla, because as I said in the book right at the beginning, the greatest challenge is that millennials are the generation who have grown up since the Wall Street crash. They don't trust big business. And they're involved in big business. They're working for us, but they don't trust. So that is a big hurdle to overcome. Absolutely brilliantly put. I mean, it's, it's a question we are forced to answer. And the way that we've got to do this is we've got to involve them. That's number one. You've got to involve them. They've got to feel like they're part of it, so not separate from it, because millennials want autonomy. This is the difference. They want autonomy. When you and I, or people older than us, went out into the work world, we were asked, uh, how, you know, where do you want to work and how long do you want your career to be? It was 20, 30, 40 years. Not anymore. Those, those numbers are gone. We can get to those numbers in a minute. So they want something else. And they have to be part of it, and, the, and at the same time, they don't trust this company. They, there's something sense of deviant about it. So how do we get them to be back on board and trust? And you have to give them autonomy. They don't want to climb the corporate ladder the way we did. They don't want the corner office. They have it. Mm -hmm. It's called Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they want to work from home. They got a corner office. It's Starbucks. I got windows. I got coffee. What do you want? It's fabulous. So they want autonomy. They want mastery. They want the opportunity to become masterful at what they're doing. And therefore, they also want great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And this is what people forget. Because they look at millennials and go, well, you don't have enough experience. Millennials are not like that. Millennials say, give me the responsibility, I'll get the experience. In our world, it was the other way around. When you've got the experience, we'll give you the responsibility. They want the other way. So it's part of the illusion of millennials is that they're entitled, but what they actually want is responsibility. So how are they entitled and want responsibility? Because they want to step into the responsibility. They feel they're entitled to step up and they're gonna prove themselves. And I, I love that about them. So autonomy, they want autonomy, they want mastery. They want a sense of that they can have responsibility and they can become masterful at what it is. They also want to be part of something, as I said, that's a vision, a mission, a purpose. And they have to be bonded to a story. 
-hmm. So part of how you get the fierce loyalty is what is your corporate story? And the way that that is understood right now has changed dramatically from what it was. So our final question is talk to me about the analysis, the numbers of implementing this big tent, uh, you yeah. know, concept, fiercely loyal practice and not. What were you seeing that you said, I have to write this book, I have to share this with people because this is the bottom line for companies? What really brought it about was, as I said in the book, that there is what I call a creeping crisis in that it's just creeping upon us and people don't realize it. American business spends around 100 to 150 billion a year on development of people. Mm -hmm. You're spending that on development, you're spending 1.5 to two times the average annual income of that person on training them and they're gone within 1.2 to 2.4 years, closer to the 1.2. That means people are an accumulating asset. So they're worth more to you over time. If they're gone, then they cost you money. So these are big things to consider if you're in business and you want to develop your people. So you, you can't help but develop them. You've got to do that, but you're going to lose them. So you've got to make sure you're creating fierce loyalty as you train them. On top of that, the other piece is that not only are you going to lose these people and all the investment that you've put into them and the time that you put into them, is that they're going to take those skills and go to your competitor. And that's something you can't afford. So buy the book, so learn the lessons. Buy the book, learn the lessons. It's written as a radical new way of looking at how to create fierce loyalty and about creating leadership, because it's all leadership based in a way that leadership has never been done before because it's about creating leaders, leaders creating leaders, rather well, than followers. Thank you for having us take a fresh look at a very old problem, but in very new circumstances. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. A pleasure. This is our author, Dove Barron, and we're so happy to have Fiercely Loyal as part of the C-Suite Book Club. Uh, if you want to learn more about some great business books, including this one, you can visit our website, which is c-suitebookclub.com. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>